everyone. Welcome to Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. I'm Erica. I'm John. And I'm Becca. And today we are continuing our Decades in Horror Month with the 1930s. We're going to be talking about White Zombie and Freaks. So enjoy. From Haiti, land of the voodoo, comes the most infamous cult of all. Bela Lugosi as Murder Legendre. I see death. Master of the undead damned. The sinister power behind the white zombie. start out talking about White Zombie. It was released in 1932. It was directed by Victor Halperin, and the story was by Garnet Weston. It was based on a novel called The Magic Island by William Seabrook. It starred Bella Lugosi as Murder... I don't... I, I didn't catch the last name. Is it Legendary or Legendary? I don't think they mention it... I don't think they mention it in the film, so okay. I don't know that there's a direct way to like pronounce We're it. We're American, I... so it's Legendary. <laughs> yeah, Legendary. <laughs> Murder. I, I just went with Lachandra. That works. Ooh, you're fancy. I do it. Yeah, you know, I do what I can. Keep it fancy. Uh, yeah. Madge Bellamy as Madeline, Joseph Cawthorn as Doctor Bruner, Robert Fraser as Charles, and John Heron as Neil. The story Neil's follows. Neil's a dick. The, okay, so <laughs> no, Neil's Neil's not the dick. Charles. Yeah, Neil, no, yeah. Neil's the husband. That's right. It's yeah. Charles that's the dick. Yep. So basically Sorry. what happens is this guy gets friend-zoned hard by this girl that he likes, and the girl's gonna get married. Does so he like, offer up his house? So he's like, yo, house, come to my Haitian plantation. Come to my Haitian plantation, you guys can get married here. Then he gets so fucking into this girl, he's like, yo, come on. She is a babe. Yeah. Right, oh I, yeah, I for sure. Quick, I got a quick question, because we were trying to look this up as the movie was going. Now, there she meets back up with Neil as the movie starts, right? Um, I think her and Neil, from what I read online, they were on their way to New York, I guess, to get married. And that's where they met Charles on the boat, right? Didn't she meet Charles on a boat, she said? Or something yeah, like that, right? Yeah. yeah. And so then I, he he was like, Hey, bring your fiance and come and get married at my place instead. Because okay, he well, was into her. Sense. That makes so much more sense because the the only thing I could kind of figure out from it was like, uh, the, she met back up with Neil on the boat because they had been separated. So I was assuming for work, Maybe. and so like I assumed that Neil had been working for Charles, and then so she shows up. No, because he didn't know Neil. Charles, right? Because when they when they meet at the house, he's like, he's like, oh, Madeline, and then he's like, oh, and. And, you, and she's like, handshake. she's like, oh, this is Charles, my fiance. And he's like, oh, yes, that's right. Hi, Charles. Oh, like, okay. Like, which, he's kind of like, ew. Which, talking about that, like, how cringy was it when he just, like, charges in? He's like, hey, and hugs her. And then he just turns to the guy. He's like, so. Like, trying to steal your girl. Yeah, like, you couldn't be any less subtle at that moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's like What's up, dude? Yeah. I need you to write this plot summary on IMDb, though. I really do. Like, I feel like that. This and is then convince Larry to 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 use it when he when he does this movie. So uh, Charles seeks the help of Murder, who is played by Bella Lugosi, to use his voodoo magic 
to get this girl to like him, but instead, murder turns her into a mindless zombie. Uh, Charles asks him to reverse the spell or whatever it is, and murder instead turns him into a zombie. He's like, nah, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Which was actually really cool, I thought, because... Okay, so the whole point... I mean, not to steal the conversation. No, I always feel no, like no, it's steal it. I do that. But, uh, <laughs> That's what we do so, Okay, so, so the whole point of, of turning uh, her into a zombie was to win her love and affection, right? At the start of it, right? So yeah. th- that was the... I mean, it was a guise, and it was veiled by uh, murder. But, I mean, that was the point of what Charles thought was going to happen. He's going to turn her into a zombie and win her affection, whatever. So the fact that murder then turns... Charles into a zombie, which would mean for me, this was probably the very first time. If not, I might be reaching here, but it seems to me like this is the first homosexual villain we'd ever seen. I mean, am I making too much of a jump to think that he was like romantically interested in Charles by turning him into a zombie? He may have been, but he at the same time he had his mill that he had workers in. I thought you said mill. No, not milk. <laughs> what? I mean, oh, you might have had like milk. We didn't see her. I missed that part. Were they like the bringers of death or the angels of death or something like that? Well, he had, um, who, milfs? They don't bring They them. are the bringers of death sometimes. I have, I have so there. many milfs. I have to make zombies to service them. I can't get around all of them. Like, <laughs> but I'm pretty milfs. sure that, that murder was saying that he really was into the guy. Um, well, because he said, he goes, I've taken a fancy to you yeah. when, he, when he poisons him. Cause so he, he looks at him. He's like, I've taken a fancy to you. You know, you're gonna be my bitch. That's <laughs> edgy. That's edgy for the '30s. Actually, no. Right. Like so the '30s were a little edgy. Well, it's because edgy. it was pre-code. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I don't know. I thought I'd throw that out. Like I didn't know if I was reaching for that or. See, or I, I, it's interesting that you bring that up because I didn't look at it that way. But you bringing it up, I could see we it. Keep I, I kind into of took it as talk. I kind of took it at what? <laughs> Nobody talking about testicles. We're going from Warhaven to testicle talk. I like the name of that. <laughs> testicle talk. <laughs> Next week on testicle talk. But um, no, Guy I. Guy Fieri. <laughs> Guy Fieri on Anthony Bourdain. Can testicles go too far? <laughs> I want to see a remake of this movie with Guy Fieri. <laughs> Well, making, with the white hair, like they gotta, like they gotta just keep. I'm it. taking like, you as my slave to work in Flavor Town. It's guys, right? Super Saiyan, new master. Instead of a sugar mill to dive bar. You know. <laughs> I'm gonna take you to my Haitian plantation. <laughs> we cook up mean burgers. Tuna. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think there would be more mentions of the word bro in a horror movie ever. Yeah. No. It'll be cool, bro. No, we'll do it, bro. No. But no, okay, but I didn't I didn't There's see it. There's an explosion about. And then we go back to the testicles. Right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right. no, so anyway. Uh, I didn't Anyway, I didn't murder lot uh, yeah. murder I I thought anyway to bring it back cuz like I, I don't know, I was just going to bring that up to see if maybe I was reading something into it. Or, uh, or or whatever, but that's yeah, just kind of what it seems like it. to me. He, he had some big old goo-goo eyes towards the guy. Yeah. Yeah, right. but his eyes were kind of goo-goo all the time. Like, that's like, true, yeah. yeah. I want to I wanna bring this up, too, and I just told Erica about it before we recorded. We started this movie last night, and we got to the end. We had, like, ten minutes left, and the entire movie, Sierra's just, like, going on, this Dracula wannabe, this Dracula wannabe. So then we turn it on today... And the first thing Sierra says is, 
I didn't even realize that's Bella Lugosi. Betty was like, How the fuck did you not realize that's Bella <laughs> Lugosi? <laughs> I like. I was like half asleep and I was watching it with my glasses off last night. <laughs> oh, okay. But like, gotcha. I was like, the voice. I was like, why is he doing Bella Lugosi's voice? <laughs> like, I don't get it. It's you like should have told her that it was his twin. <laughs> I uh, I, I also like. I immediately seeing Bella Lugosi in this movie. Like the first thing I thought was, I was like, Dave Navarro looks a lot like Bella Lugosi. <laughs> like, I could see that. Like, I mean, especially from underneath, like the first really good shot when Charles goes to see murder and they're sitting around his table, it's got that, uh, it's it's got the half profile where it's taken kind of from Bella's hip or whatever. And I was like, that looks exactly like Dave Navarro. <laughs> like, <laughs> almost 100%. His fucking eyebrows though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, he, had, he definitely had like hair extensions in his eyebrows for sure, right? <laughs> or he just has beastie eyebrows. I don't fucking know. He looked to me like he had the like the shitty goatee and stuff, and I said to Sierra, I was like, "This is the guy that was like hanging out at his pickup truck with like the rebel flag." That like, yes, that ratty ass. <laughs> yes. like. So before we jump into like the plot and like what we thought or what we picked out uh, from White Zombie, I do want to throw out a few facts that I found. Um, the film was thought to be lost and was rediscovered in the 1960s. There was a big copyright battle over the movie in the 1960s, so. Fun fact there. Uh, Bela Lugosi has, like, his friends had said that he really, I'm trying to think of how to word this. He So when they made this movie, he took a flat rate for pay rather than take a percentage. And right. yeah. the flat rate, yeah. uh, they said it was anywhere between 400 and $900. The most... Uh, Remember, it's the 30s, friends. That's a lot of money then. <laughs> the most <laughs> The most frequent uh, one that's been brought up is eight hundred dollars. Um, Lugosi's friend, who had I think he did his taxes, said that Lugosi was paid five thousand dollars for the movie. But Holy Lugosi, fuck. Lugosi claims that he was underpaid for the movie, and for that he was very like sour. Angry. Yeah, he's very sour well, about that, it. And well, this he, was an independent movie, right? Yes, this was this was an indie movie. Yeah. But um, so that came out. But despite that, Bella Lugosi's son has said that. This was a personal favorite of Bela Lugosi's that he's done. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that Dracula was too due to the fact that I feel like his character was <laughs> almost the same. Well, because of, <laughs> because of Dracula, uh, Lugosi was typecasted a lot for his films. And, Makes um, sense after seeing this one. It got to the point, too. He Later in his life, he got addicted to opiates and... I feel like he that got, was just something that happened. Well, he got time. to a point where he was like, <laughs> no, opiates, what opiates was the was the black tar heroin of its time. No, it was more like yeah. the weed of its time, really. <laughs> but uh, he got to a point where he was like doing these shitty B movies just to get enough money to buy drugs. So that was like Nicolas Cage. Like yeah. Nicolas Cage makes a bunch of these shitty I movies because he's got like a million ex um, Oh my god, what Gary Busey? <laughs> yeah, they do I a bunch of shitty Gary movies Busey. to like keep up with their bills, you know. So, um, uh, upon releasing, this movie got a lot of really mixed reviews. They were mostly negative, and the biggest thing that people took out of it was the acting was very bad. Um, another fact that I found from it was a lot of the actors and actresses were from the silent era, and yep. they had been brought over. Right, this wasn't was, this, like, the girl who played Madeline's one of her last films? Well, I don't think it was one of her last films, but it I was one she of... she stopped acting in, like, 1936. 
I don't. She might have. I don't know. But she. This was, I think, her first film. It might be. No. You know what? That was one of the the women from Freaks. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense when when you look at the because I don't notice because the first time I'd watched this, I, I watched all of these ones for the 1930s and 1940s all in a row. You know, last week or whatever. And so for this week, I'd gone back through and watched them again to to be fresh on it. And so, yeah. like after the first viewing, I'd gone and did a little bit of research just in terms of like critical reception. And like that was one of the big things that I'd no- uh, read on was that a lot of people were really harsh in the acting. And I, 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 I mean, it didn't it it didn't stick out to me as being particularly great, but it didn't. It, it wasn't didn't like the worst I've ever seen. Oh, so, right, exactly. It wasn't you know. Tara Reid and Sharp made I just think it's funny that they have such a huge opinion on acting at this point in time when it's like, dude, the silent era was literally less than 10 years ago. Right, exactly. Who are you to judge? I think it's hard for us to pick out, like, oh, this is bad acting because we don't really know what this standard was for the time. Yeah. And this is also a time where, you know, theater's really big, so... There were probably, since film was still in the early stages, they were probably basing a lot of acting performances on how they were carried out on stage. So. One thing that I can say, though, just it's it's just something that I've noticed going from uh, the 40s to the 30s and then what I've seen, because I've seen uh, Nosferatu before, so uh, I'm, I've yeah. been saving Cabinet of Dr. Caligari for next week's episode, so I haven't seen it yet, but... Like Dylan was saying, in those earlier times, it was very much theater. So they are very much, like the films themselves are put together like a play. So you have like these kind of like, these breakups and that's where you're, where they're throwing up like the dialogue on the yeah. screen. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's kind of like the transitions and plays where they're changing sets and stuff like that. And that's how they kind of did that transition from theater into film. Well, for I mean, me, when the you biggest... look at the supporting cast of this, too, like, for them being from the silent film era makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that it's necessarily really bad acting. It's that a lot of times when they're in the scene, it's almost like they're waiting for noise or waiting for a cut. Or well, like, for or a, some a, sort a of cue. The exactly. Is, so like, is, right. The silent films, a lot of a lot of the acting was focusing on facial reactions. Yeah, and like the body. facial expressions mm-hmm. and the body so language associated with it. During the time of silent say. films, they overacted. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you yeah. had to make up for the lack of sound. So well, not only that, get, lack learning of to act that way is too. totally different from from acting with sound. It's a totally right. different thing, you know. And you can really, but this, like watching these films, though, you can really see that transition because we watched the forties last week, and this is like yeah, the forties they start getting it down. Yes. So you can right. see yep. like going from like next week when we cover the twenties, I think it'll be a little bit more clear. But that transition. These movies, for me, you could really see that. And, and yeah. they were very, for, for me anyway, they were, because of that style and them being that kind of, like, transition period, they were a little harder to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not a clear-cut story. Exactly. So you kind of get, like, jumped around, and I think because they were still... There's that kind of gray area in the 30s where it's not quite... Um, they're not quite sure whether they want to focus on the dialogue or the visuals. Mm-hmm. So they're kind I think of that trying... they kill it with the visuals. Though. Yes, and that's and that mm-hmm. I think is what that's what they really took from the from the twenties is that that visual aspect because both of these were to me were great visually. I thought they were very yeah, interesting. The storyline yeah. was, story was what was kind of lacking for me. And they were um 
they were they were hard to follow. Uh, not hard to follow, but they were kind of I confusing. Get what you mean, yeah. They, yeah, they were just a little bit like jumbled to me. Yeah, but yeah, I, think- I looked at them more like an art. Really, like an art piece. They, to me, it was like going to like an art gallery. Like mm-hmm. a, right, it's, it's one, of the, um, yeah, one of the one of the the most uh, uttered comments on our end when we were watching is, "What's going on? Right. What's yeah. going on?" <laughs> well, there's like um, uh, one of the things I wrote down in my notes. I jotted down a couple of notes while I was watching it. But like one of the things is like uh, uh, I wrote chain movies demands your attention. Every line is important, mm-hmm. and so like if you, you have miss, to pay attention, yeah. Yeah, if you miss even a word, even you, you, even if you zone out for like twenty five seconds, you might be lost on something later because you might have missed one line. Exactly. Well, I think that made it important. Going going back to what Erica had said, where it's hard, where they were kind of not sure whether they should focus on the dialogue or the visuals. I got that a lot with White Zombie because to me, breaking this movie up, the first half before Charles gets turned into a zombie, the entire thing was very dialogue heavy to where. You weren't really getting a lot of these like unique, artistic, visual things. Mm-hmm. It was just people talking. And it was very hard to follow, and it made it very, honestly, boring to me. And then the second half, where murder takes Charles to the castle, and they have the giant the set piece of the castle, yeah, and they they focus on the visuals. That part had me sucked in. I was like, this is very great. This is well done. I want to be Madeline. Like, I want to be her. I would have liked to see the whole movie like that. Yeah. Because I I mean, that's that the beginning is really where I got lost. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't a bad movie by any means. It wasn't. And I appreciate it for what it is. Right. But it's definitely it's not the 50s, but it's been (laughs) It's right. been one of my less favorite uh, that we've covered Erica so hated far. the fifties, guys. In, 50s, in case you didn't know, Eric well, and I uh, even in, even through the first half of this movie, I think um, it, it had some really great pieces. Even through the first half of the movie, when they're focusing on atmospherics, so the bar scene I, I really liked when he sees the uh, when he sees the ghostly apparition of Madeline, which when you break it down is actually. I'm going to assume it's really impressive for them to pull that off in the in the. Yeah. 30s. Are you talking? Was that the part where he like runs up to hug her and she vanishes? Yeah, he's like yeah. Drunk. That yeah. part. That part I did really Dylan, enjoy. As soon I as like, that he out. said the same thing when it came up, he's like, "Whoa." Yeah. Like that's pretty <laughs> right. crazy for the time. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like it was really atmospheric. It was very cool. Not only that, when he uh, when they first go to the when Charles first goes to the sugarcane mill mm-hmm. and he meets up with with murder. Yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, my notes here is like silence is just as important as shadow, mm-hmm. is what I wrote. And so it's like where they're kind of. It's almost like a, these these '30s movies are almost kind of like a new creature exploring their habitat, like with the sound. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to find what works. And when they went to silence, I wrote like base elements in creating unease. So when they're in that mill, the creaking of the the creaking of the wood is really important. I thought that mm-hmm. was fantastic. And like, there's a zombie that falls into the pit or whatever, and there's yeah. no noise. It just yeah. falls in, and nobody cares. And I thought that was so much better than the the score to the movie too. I wrote, like, I felt like, like the music sounded like a, an old Disney movie. Like an old right. cartoon, yeah. Like right. it, it wasn't like, scary. It was like before they they understood or they thought about how the music how would music affect affects your feelings. Yeah. Right, uh, and it's like. And so not it's only just that, kind it's very, of dull music. Or right, and it's and the way that Disney used to actually do those soundtracks, and it comes through here too, which is very like action oriented. So like, uh, what I mean by that is like uh, in the old school King Kong, when 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 King Kong is walking, there's a bump, 
bum, bum, mm-hmm. and, the, and the music follows the action, and that's very prevalent here. It's like I wrote down, like yeah. I don't like, the, I, wrote, I don't like the score. Slow it down. Nature has its own soundtrack, and it's better because there's a lot of these scenes where, like, they're going to the tomb, and you hear the frogs croaking, mm-hmm. or you just hear the sound of sounds, or their footsteps scra- mm-hmm. scratching against the stone. You know, th- like, and there was a lot of really cool things that actually, if you look back to what we covered last week. They focused a lot on that in the yeah. '40s. Was the was the absence of sound and letting nature have its own soundtrack, you know, and and so like I feel like there was a lot of really good moments like that in this movie. It just didn't um, carry it throughout, right? And, and I, I wonder and if that they, has something to do with like coming from the '20s where it was a silent film, so they did put a f- score throughout the entire film, not just you know in, yeah, not in just between the dialogue. Yeah, you, I think. 100% if there's one thing that can be put on the 30s is it's it's transition it's a transition period to, yeah. you know it's huge transition and it's like it's like a, a child learning a new skill you and know they they're moving into the next thing and they did they committed to it it's just like you can feel in the 40s that they're fi- they, they figured it out Right. You know, like the twenties perfected what it was doing with the silent films, and then the thirties weren't sure how to how to transition that into the, um, you know, having sound and, and 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 incorporating the music with the dialogue, and then the forties by the forties they had perfected it and they figured. But it we out discussed really well. too that the fifties was another transition period because yeah. you're going from that like Cold War era where it's still like monsters and aliens into the 60s where there was more like real killers mm-hmm. and People. to be completely honest and it's not just me hating on the 50s I think that the 30s was a better transition error than the 50s was well I yeah. think the 50s too had more to figure out than just transitioning from monsters to people as well I think it also was figuring color out color black, yeah. color and shadow and how because, and music as well because contrast mean, and, and shadows is completely different when you go from black and white to color and I, I mean I did photography all when I was younger uh, darkroom photography so it's like tra- transitioning from black and white film to color, to color film, film mm-hmm. is totally different you know you want black and white you usually go a lot darker and a lot more con- higher contrast with where color you're not going to do that because the color separates things so exactly. much easier so right. it's yep. they they, fig- they were figuring out a lot in the fifties, similar to what they were doing. In the I just 30s I just think that the thirties was more. It was it's more, like every other decade's a transition. Yeah, it was like a better. It was just a better like a better. It was it was better. Oh, hold. Erica just doesn't like aliens. More. <laughs> I don't. It was more put together. Like I feel like right. the fifties was still like, and and maybe it was because they were they were learning more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, realistically, the fifties was really trying to to put a lot more into it. And like yeah. Sarah said, there was more elements there that they were trying to balance out. But I think that the thirties just did a better job. And again, it's not me hating on the fifties. It's not. It's. I don't think it's fair too much either. I mean. I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen many movies from the 30s, but I feel like, because this is at the same time when Universal Monsters were becoming a thing, and, and I feel like those ones. those movies really did a great job. They did. And I feel like right. you really see through any other horror movie, them trying to copy the success of the Universal Monsters. Exactly. Right. I don't think that they, they thought to get away from that until probably the mid-40s to yeah. start doing things that were a little bit edgier and darker because you know for for the 30s those those universal monsters were truly terrifying and and it's funny because um my family i had recently made a post on facebook 
about what movie scared you when you were a kid, assuming that, like, people my age and my friends and stuff were going to comment on it and say, like, Amityville Horror or, like, whatever. And I got that. But I had my uncles and my aunts commenting on it, posting, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein. Uh, I had... Uh, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, and it's funny because it's like, those movies aren't terrifying to us, and they're beautiful, excellently, excellently made movies, but those were the things that haunted my aunts and uncles' dreams when they were kids, yeah. and I think that's right. crazy to think about. See, and I don't know, I, I don't know if it's, in thinking about it, and thinking about what I was, what I was just saying, th those movies to me, though, are like, yes, I know they're in that transition period, but to me, and I'm not trying to be biased because of how much I love doing them, they're on a different level. You know yeah. why, though? I think that Universal came in and took them, like, they, they, they swooped in and they did it. They you know, set like, the standards. They yeah, they the did, standards, exactly. And then and all, after I Universal started those standards, it kind of, like, every other movie comes Because, like, I'm trying, I'm thinking back on, like, we, we just covered, well, like, we didn't just cover it. It was last year, which is crazy to think that it's been that long, but we <laughs> did Creature from the year. Black Lagoon, we did um, Frankenstein, and we did Dracula. And No, right, we did uh, no, we The did Mummy. The Mummy. I love the mummy. And <laughs> I, Creature from the Black Lagoon oh is my God, I by know. far it's one of my like. It's just it's so it's fucking amazing. It's just so but that was the well, that movie's really exactly. Primal. But like so, really but primal. still like it is. It's so, so then you're good, like though. you're like looking at that stuff, and it's like I, I just feel like there you go. There's your fifties movie you like. Yeah, there there we go. Guys. So I <laughs> Creature from the Black it. Lagoon. We but love like, it. You see, it was an alien. It just wasn't from outer space. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just like going into this movie, I had a different expectation for it because I, it was Bella Lugosi, and I already had in my head what I thought. Well, I mean, Bella Lugosi might as well have been taken. They might as well have taken his scenes from Dracula and just put them in this movie. I feel like this was a B-rated version of Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was like. Well, and I don't even know how to explain it. It was, it like, was what's though, right? Name? It was oh, an independent god, movie. The, it was it? like Dracula dead and loving it with um, <laughs> fucking. Uh, oh my god, the white haired guy. <laughs> but well, I mean, one of the one of the important things that I think Universal had over everybody else at the time was money. Yeah, and so and so like they could make they could make these money. they could make these yeah. pictures really come to life. And one of and one of the things that sticks in my craw, okay, and I'm going to mention it, and I don't like I don't. Like I, I know what I'm. I stand behind what I say here. I think Universal got lucky with the monster movies in 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 the 30s. I feel like they made some monster movies, and I don't think they expected them to do as well. No, as they, they did. didn't. And 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 they went nuts. And to me, Universal's been trying has been using that exact same formula for their monster movies for any other horror movie they put out since. Mm -hmm. And so now it seems a bit dated. And a bit off tune because did you, did you guys ever hear about the dark universe thing that they were trying to launch? Yeah, they tried to make it action oriented with the mummy, and that yeah, and they canceled so they it, it all. Yeah. And they canceled it all because they they've been using Dracula the same formula. Like, like, like yes. I mean, you talk about a, like a movie company that you talk about a movie company that's distanced from its audience. Mm -hmm. Like, like they've been using the same formula to put out horror movies for years, and, and they've never updated it. Yeah. And now it seems dated, and it gets panned, and Dude, they don't know why. They like killed the Dracula Untold, though. Let's talk about that. That movie <laughs> yeah. was so I loved fun. It. It was we kind of watched it, and it's I was not, like, "Dude, this movie is it's solid." Definitely not like a standard horror film or anything, but it, no, it was very it was enjoyable. Really well, well, the, and there is, and there in his case in point, because it's like, okay, so when they deviated from the formula, exactly, it worked, and then they they keep going back to it because they're all they're only concerned with what they call like the four quadrants. So there's like. 
male, female, above and below age, I think it's like 30 something. Yeah. And so there's the four quadrants. And so this is all a mathematical formula to them. But did you guys, did you guys ever see the remake of the Wolfman with Benicio del Toro and uh, yeah. Hopkins? Yeah. Now, I now look. I love Benicio del Toro. Don't we have the, is that the <laughs> yeah, Wolfman? We have, we have, a, we have a figurine now, of it. Now, now look, I liked it just fine. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And if it was in a $5 Walmart bin, I would certainly buy it. I'm not going to go out of my way to like hunt down a special edition of it or whatever, but yeah. I like it. That, that movie gets so much hate, like ridiculous amount of hate. And even, um, I'm blanking on his name, but the Universal Executive, basically their head of operations or whatever, like his quote is, it's like, that's like the worst, it's the worst picture we've ever made. And I was like, oh, that's mean. I was like, I was like, I didn't think it was that bad. Like it was entertaining. I liked it. But, but, hearing is the thing it's like if you think it's the worst picture you've ever made and you don't understand why your horror movies are flopping why not take a look at this fucking formula yeah. and update it a little bit and and try to and not be so disconnected from your audience yeah. and that's what i mean like i don't know that universal i mean obviously they had the money so they had to have believed in those universal monsters of the 30s to some degree because they wouldn't have thrown money at it if they didn't think it was going to exactly. work yeah. but but I don't know if they were really prepared for how they took off. Yeah. And I think like, that I it really, that... what, like, it, it, they really are, like, that's what started the, the whole, the whole horror genre, really. The, and, and the obsession with the horror genre. Yes. Like, and I rather think than that, just a one-off story, that there's now a horror genre. As know? we speak, yeah, and I'm I just looking at that, printed photos yeah. of the Universal Monsters on my wall, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> right. But I just it, it's it's one of those things that it's like it I they're just they're fucking they're amazing like well, no I, I, I and okay, I well, just I should put this out before before anybody gets the wrong idea I love the Universal Monster movie oh no right? I, I wasn't do. taking it that way at all and, I was just right, saying I, that and Frankenstein is my man like <laughs> from the original Mary Shelley eighteen eighteen oh, you know yeah, the modern yeah, Prometheus yeah. you know I'm I'm a huge Frankenstein nerd. So, like I love Frankenstein. I love the Universal movies and stuff. So I'm gonna put that out. There. I do. I do. I he, love the '30s movies. Just he loves Frankenstein so much that uh, he almost didn't talk to me for a whole week until I actually read the book. Well, yeah. Oh. She was like, she's like, I'd never read the book. I was like, I was like, we've been together for almost ten years, and you haven't even read the original, oh, the original gosh. like Frankenstein. <laughs> I was like, I got it off the bookshelf. I was like, read this, then we'll talk. You know, like, Did anyway. he give you the silent treatment until you finished it? Uh, I, I'm pathetic enough to where I, I weaseled my way into talking. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I got to talk a little bit to her. But it's just like, it was one of those things that's like, you know, these are... these. Who did these, I marry? Know, <laughs> right, yeah. But, but Dylan like, does that of, weekly to me. He's like, who the fuck did I marry? One of those <laughs> things where you go through the drive-thru and they don't ask for mayonnaise one time. And you're just like, I don't know who you are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, the, the, but the Universal, you know, movies. Are, I mean, they're they're like they're beyond even like classics or culture classics. They're like a rite of passage. Yeah. You know, you have to view them if you have a love for modern horror. But that even said, and it's probably a pretty bold view for me to have, but I don't think Universal, as a movie company, ever assumed that they would become a culture of their own. I don't think so either. You I know. Definitely Let's give this a go and see what happens, sort of thing. Yeah. I, right. And, and, it was and new. because of that, and because of that, I don't think they put too much thought into how to continually update the formula to stay connected to their audience. Here's an because idea. Because it's like 
because Stop like looking at Tom it, Cruise. <laughs> yeah, like seriously. What's Don't that? put Tom Cruise. I in said, the here's movies. an idea. Stop hiring Tom Cruise. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, he, well I mean, he's he's a Scientologist. They believe in monsters and stuff. I so maybe it's a good fit. <laughs> I am I am thoroughly disappointed. He has a new movie that came out, and they had a poster for it in a uh, Walmart. I told oh you about it. I'm diligent. Yeah. They fixed his fucking tooth. They fixed his tooth. All right. How are you gonna fix your tooth like that? Let's reel it back into white zombie. Sorry. Yeah, we, all right. We got, we got so off topic. All right. Like, well, well, I mean, so we'll, we'll tie it all back. In, we'll tie it all in back in by saying this: is it's like this came out in the same era. <clears throat> it was clearly trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And and the one thing that they didn't have to really pull it off was the money. So you can see the, how far this thing reaches in a lot of different places to try to accomplish the same effect. I mean, they even and, used leftover props from like Frankenstein yeah, and the Hunchback yep. in Notre Dame. So, yeah. And you said, I mean, you said that a lot of the people that had influence on it though were from the silent movie era. And I wonder if that played, and it had like a lot of influence on how it kind of panned out. Right, I mean, and, and they tried to reach with a lot of the same thing. Feels, yeah. Right, a lot of the same thing. And there's definitely, there's a lot here, you know, that is good that is good material and one of the things that is one of as a little aside here i know that um this thing was actually set for a remake from uh sierra's boy tobe hooper <laughs> uh, no toby hooper was was set to do a remake of this he, he, he was yeah he was set to do a remake of this back in uh, Oh nine, I you think. You know what I'm gonna say though. I'd Toby be Hooper, down for that. Though. Toby Hooper's my man, but he's got some hits and he's got some real and big misses. Yeah. He's got, he's got some misses. Yeah, <laughs> he's, that's for sure. He's questionable at times, similar to Wes Craven. Yeah, very right. questionable. It, it, but like, I would, I would like this one. I think you know, I, in the remake era, that I'm constantly not that big of a fan of. I do think though that there are specific projects that could do yeah. well with remake one of the ones from erica's dreaded mm -hmm. 50s i do think that could do well with the remake is uh ants have you guys seen that one no. i have not seen no. ants but okay. i do know of it okay now that's one of the monster sci-fi movies that i thought was done pretty well they don't show the movie they don't show the monsters all that much There's, it's like less than eight or ten minutes of them being on screen and you only see them once or twice and the whole thing is very enveloped in story and it, there's a lot, there's a very minimal soundtrack. It's a lot of like desolate wind blowing through these like, you know, blowing through these like uh, sandy dunes and stuff like that. It's it, it's pretty good. And I feel like something like that could do well with the remake. And I would I would actually pass that one along to see what Erica thinks of that one. But I, like, I like Ants, but like, I think that this white zombie could do well with the remake. There's a lot here. I think yeah. the thing that would be so cool about White Zombie, um, if they made it a mod, if it obviously very, it needs to be modernized a lot, but it's different than everything that's coming out right now. So mm -hmm. I think if it they were, fair, yeah. I think if they were to do a remake and they they got good people doing it, that that being the key, I think that it would be an awesome, um, an awesome movie to remake because it is so so different than the movies coming out right now. And not try to stay too tied to this. I mean, stay tied to the source material, but don't try to do it scene for scene. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, t tell your own story. Use what's there as, like, a general atmosphere and vibe. Because that's one of the things that I do like about this movie is the general atmosphere yes. that they it has. Yes, did kill it with the atmosphere and, yeah. like, the settings. I, th I think the sets yeah. were, were absolutely gorgeous in this movie. Very beautiful. And the, and the basic idea, And the basic idea of a voodoo master that can control zombies to do his bidding 
if you can put and if you can put an enticing character story around it you know yeah, I feel don't like have we don't have a voodoo horror movie Honestly, because I feel yeah. like two weeks in a row now we've discussed this and we were like oh it's so original well perfect perfect like example but they're of that, totally that was, different voodoo too like from I feel I like with the zombie and white zombie I feel like this was like the experimental phase of it and I walked with the zombie is like they finally got it. it yeah yep yeah exactly um, there were a few things that I did pick out from this movie that I did really enjoy. Um, in terms of sound, the vulture, every time it screamed, yeah. it sounded like a person screaming, and it was... I down. thought it was for the longest yeah, time. I talked I to Beck too. about that. I was like, I was lost, because like when the thing first shows up and it screams, or whatever, it like at the window, like it's after she goes upstairs. Yeah. And I was like, and he's like, no, not that, not that. I was like, did he like take her soul out and put it in I the know, vulture we, or something? We, we were theorizing like, that um, all of these souls were getting like captured by the vulture or put in the vulture or something like that. He's sounds... almost like a, a, a angel of death. I could yeah, see that though because isn't it, it that did the scream with, with like ravens. It did scream every time somebody got put under murder spell. So I, I could definitely see yeah. that. But every time it screamed, it was generally it's, eerie because yeah. it just it was drawn out. Like, it was, did it for a while and it was like, what the fuck? And it, it always Could you took- imagine hearing that in the woods, though? Fuck that. <laughs> like well, it's basically like that, hearing dude. a mountain lion. Uh, it's basically like hearing a mountain lion. Uh, we, we, we have them up here and every once in a while you can hear one scream. That's what it is. It's a scream. We but it's, don't so- have them in New York. <laughs> and so- don't have them. And so, like, uh, it's, it's, yeah, wolves you can hear quite a bit at the nighttime. You have you wolves? Hear... Wait, we have Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We when, 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 we, when we moved, we, we live uh, about 10, 15 miles away from a wildlife refuge. And the first year we lived here, they went around town with these flyers. Because I guess there's a there's a traveling, roaming uh, pack of timber wolves. And so they were like, they slipped flyers. I grow up in a family of yeah. wolves. Right, they, they slipped flyers under everybody's door. And they're like, hey, the... Timberwolf Pack had uh, pups this year, and this year they're in their our neck of the woods. So don't go out alone at night, and you should probably be armed. And I looked at Becca after looking at the flyers, like, is this legit? <laughs> Becca's like, I Did guess. Did that now. just like, happen? Is somebody trolling me like, right now? <laughs> Becca's like, I guess so. And like, and I have a widow's walk off my off the uh, off my bedroom. And in the summertime, I'll go out there and I'll smoke. And so, like, every once in a while, we'll get bears that come down out of Canada. Every once in a while, they'll root around in garbage and stuff. So I've seen a couple bears rooting around in garbage. Nothing too spectacular. But to this day, um, I've heard of wolves howl three different times. I have yet to actually see one. I which I think, Which I think is pretty eerie because and it's a lonely, desolate sound. It's just, Ooh. Oh, my God. That must be so cool. Yeah. I've never heard a wolf. I th- I've seen them, but not in the wilderness. Like, I've seen them. Um, we had, like, these wildlife life people that used to come to my school. And uh, they'd bring, like, different rehabilitated animals and stuff. So I've seen wolves before. Snacks. But my dog's best friend was a bear when he was a puppy. Do you remember nice. Murphy's bear? Yes. It nice. was so well, cute. There was a bear cub that would come into the yard, and the dog would, like, bark at it. When we lived it. in New York, not North yeah. Carolina. Nothing ha- our, cool our happened dog. Our dog is he's a great Pyrenees and uh, we'd like let him outside and this bear would like it was like a bear cub it would come into the yard and he'd bark at it and it would like tuck and roll down the cliff behind Sierra's house <laughs> and then like like a couple hours later it'd come back up and I would play with the dog and then the dog would like bark at it again and it would do the same like it was like a game that they were well, I, I I had worked with a lady one time that was like a uh, she had this wide 
farmland or whatever, and she like rehabilitated bears and stuff. One day she showed up to work. She had this thing swaddled in a blanket with a bottle. I assumed it was a baby, and I got close to it as a fucking bear. <laughs> she had a, she had a that bear. That would be me to it. it. She was feeding it out of a bottle. I, I was loved. Like, I love that. I was like, that's so awesome. And so, but I mean, to tie it all together with the screech of the of the vulture or whatever else. We're like, back. I've heard, I've heard screeches like that, but usually only from mountain lions, and it's. In the middle of the night, it's really quiet outside, and it, up here, you know, it gets really quiet, and mm-hmm. really dark, and so, like, I'm standing on my widow's walk, and every once in a while, you'll hear it. It's just kind of like, wow, 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 kind Can of we thing, all you know? move to Minnesota where yeah, it's so, quiet? And, and the, the only way to describe it is a scream. It's not a roar, you know? So, mm-hmm. so when the vulture screamed out like that, I mean, it, it really popped because, well, to bring it to what, you know, Erica and, 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 uh, and all you guys were saying earlier from the silent movie era, finding out that silence is the shadow of sound mm-hmm. you know so so when you have enough contrast between the silence and the noise you know it gets to be really piercing when you actually utilize it well and i thought in this very movie startling. it actually yeah very startling yeah. in this movie i thought it was actually i thought it was phenomenal that, you know from some of the scenes that with the vulture i thought it was great they, they did a great job too every time it did the scream it would do it for a while before it actually showed the that it was the vulture so mm-hmm. you had, you had a, you a few moments to, to yeah. try yeah. and to figure it out. And I think that's why it, it did it probably like five or six times throughout the movie. And every time it, th- it threw me off guard, I was like, wait, is that somebody screaming? And I was like, wait, no, that's probably the vulture. But it took me a couple of seconds because it wasn't showing what was happening like off the right. screen. Yep, um, exactly. Another part that I really did enjoy, there's a specific scene, and I actually posted it on our Instagram before we jumped on here. Uh, the part where Madeline is like she's under the spell and she's in Murder's Castle and she's walking down the steps and it shows the cameras behind like one of the pillars and it shows her walking down the steps from like the hole in the pillar whatever it was like the balcony and it was such a great shot oh yeah yeah um, absolutely like, like I said earlier on though it the beginning of the movie relied a lot on dialogue and the second half was very like artsy and visual so the first part of the movie i love or i didn't enjoy too much but the second part i i did like can anybody answer for me the um i mean i i can kind of fill in the blanks but like what was the exact deal with the candle i'm not sure i'm not sure i think it was just part of his spell because he would carve it out every time he uh put somebody under the spell because I'm assuming it was like the final transformation. I feel like the first time like I saw him did it, I thought it was super awkward. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Right. I thought it was great in the dinner scene. I loved the dinner scene. Mm-hmm. Or I don't think they're eating, but they're sitting down at the table, and the guy's ha- or uh, Charles is halfway transformed. Mm-hmm. I thought that I thought that actually showcased Bella Lugosi's acting ability. You know, I love it, it too because he. I love the dialogue between that too, where he's like, "I wish you could talk because you're the only person that I've ever done this to who actually knows what's happening." So I want right, to know exactly. like how you feel and what your symptoms are. And I was like, "Fuck, that's like sadistic. That's like that's fucked right. up." Bella <laughs> Lugosi is very sinister. Like he's the perfect villain. I think that's why right. he was typecast. Because he had, like even though. his voice, his look. And his acting style, he's just very dark and sinister. I appreciate the goatee. I like <laughs> the goatee. I, if they, if I hate they, his eyebrows. Yeah, his eyebrows. His <laughs> eyebrow they, extensions. Yeah. 
if they, if they allow him to work in a minimalistic sense, and that's where I think that some of this gets a little bit lost mm -hmm. in some of the overreaching that they did, it was like the best scenes that Bella had, or even throughout the whole movie, was when they let the actors work in a naturalistic environment with the soundtrack of whatever was in the room. And so like in the dinner scene, uh, Charles reaches over and he grabs Bella's hand and, and he looks at him and he like leans in on his hand and like props up his head, like almost like he's like he's being playful, you know, and he looks at him and, and, and he looks at him and he just like, he's like, you refused to shake my hand once. I remember mm -hmm. we have a different understanding now. And so I was like, that's beautiful which yeah. is in stark contrast to like one of the final lines that Bella has when they're on the escarpment. And um, I, I can't remember who's, uh, it's Neil. Neil's like, what are they? And Bella looks at him and is like, for you, they are the instruments of death. And I was mm -hmm. like, ah, <laughs> like it, it, it got a little campy in some of yeah. those places. And it's like, man, if you would have just let Bella stay in that subdued context. I mean, and there was a lot, it wasn't just that dinner scene when he was subdued. It was, you know, the very first time Charles meets him, he's very subdued. And the um, the uh, the other dinner scene when they're drinking the wine, he's very subdued. When they're stealing the body, he's very subdued. So it's, I wish they would have kept that you when, know, when, throughout. When Neil first meets murder. Yeah, yeah, when Neil first meets yeah. murder. And even in the very first time you see him, yeah. when, he, when he steals her scarf. Yeah, then. You know, I mean, he was a very naturalistic actor. I mean, he, he, he moved very naturally. And it, it was just kind of a... I when almost about wonder him. if they directed him to be more like um, Dracula, like act like you did in that movie. You know what right. I mean? Like be more didn't really give him more. character development. He just kind of was like, oh, well, we liked you in this movie, so do that here. I could see it, you especially know? since, you, like we said, like they were definitely riding off of the success of the Universal oh, for movies. Sure. But mm. um, let's get into ratings, because I'm curious to see what everybody rates this. It seems like we're all... Nose goes on in going different first, uh, going spectrums for it. Nose I'll go goes first. On going okay. first. Okay. I can go first. Um, yeah, the, repeating myself again. Uh, the first half it lost me a little bit because it was so dialogue heavy, and it it drew out. It was very uh, boring to me, and it it what so much show that we had to watch this in two segments because we were so bored with the first half of the movie, and it's very rare that we have a movie come up where we have to do that, but I feel like the second half did come in strong. Um, Lugosi did great, but he was very much acting like Dracula. I don't think I would watch this movie again, honestly. Uh, it's not one where I feel like I have to, um, but it, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I'd probably give it like a 5.5. Well, I think that's the lowest that we've done in our decades yeah. in a month. It was definitely my least favorite that we've covered. Yeah. Yeah, not mine. I'll go next. Okay. <laughs> okay, go. So, um, I, it wasn't the strongest. It really wasn't. Like, going off what Dylan said, it, it was not the strongest uh, of the movies that we've covered, especially um, after last week's episode where we all, and even the 60s, I feel like it's been every other every decade, other and I feel like it's going to be a theme because I think next week is going to be, like, You're off the charts. Yeah. yeah. So, I feel like it's... It's the transition periods, really. I think those have been the two where we kind of gave them, like, the lower scores. And, like, mm. we discussed, they're kind of those uh, transition eras. And um, I didn't think that this was as strong as it could have been. And, um, like, I had asked Dylan before, you know, he had, he had said uh, with some of his facts that... 
a lot of the people that had their hands on this movie were um, were from the silent film uh, era, and and I'm wondering if if that if that played a part in it, as opposed to maybe taking somebody who was relatively new to the industry. Yeah. Um. So. It was it was hard for me. The beginning was very slow, um, and it, it didn't have like it didn't have like a build up for me. It wasn't like it's it was slow and it built up. It was like it went slow and then it was like, ba bam, yeah, right. And it was just like, but it wasn't like super fast. So it wasn't like going zero and you hit a ten. It was like three and then we're gonna kick it up to like a 4.5 yeah so like it it was a jump but not quite like what you would, would as far as they could go um i came into this with a little like higher expectations because of bella lugosi um i pretty much got a better looking version of dracula <laughs> <laughs> he looked younger like sarah yeah, said earlier we were talking about it and he he looks younger in this movie and um the facial hair was was on point um, dumb eyebrows. <laughs> Those were some Hunger Games. They were like, somewhat, like, like did you notice they were like curled? Yeah, like there was some Hunger Games things he had going on with them brows. But, you, only uh, get, you only get to see the horns on his on his eyebrows like twice. Yeah, they were really nice. I don't know why, but for some reason, whenever we. Whenever I think remake of this movie, I want to see Jeff Goldblum with those fucking eyebrows. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yes, know why. Yes, yes, yes. I'm a zombie voodoo master. All right, here we go. Maybe still The movies we covered for the 50s, out of all three of those movies have been remade, I think. No, This Island Earth hasn't. Yes, okay, so it was two of them, and Jeff Goldblum was in both. There we go. Maybe yes, yes, zombie voodoo master. I have a woman. A man would be even better. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the Fi remake, which was from the 50s. So did he just yeah, like remake no, everything? Yeah, I feel 50s like he just like, yo, it's the 50s. Guys, I'm the Fi remake was the shit. Alright, okay. right. Erica, What's back to reading. Anyway, back on to what I was saying. Um, <laughs> overall, I don't think it was as bad as Dylan's gonna say it was. Um, so I'm gonna come in with a. I'm gonna give it a 6.6. Alright, I'm going to come in with the only person with manners, and I'm going to let uh, John and Becca do theirs, and I'll go last. Alright, I'll let Becca go first. Alright, um, well, <laughs> you guys have pretty much covered everything that I was going to talk about, so just based on the fact that it's one of the earlier um, non-silent movies, and they're learning how to do it, and they didn't have much of a budget. I would have given them a higher score, but those transitions and the fact that I was lost a lot in this movie knocked down the score quite a bit, so I'm only going to give it like a 5.2. Thanks, Becca. Because <laughs> you stole my tagline. <laughs> I always, ever, all the time, I'm always like, so, before I start going. And then after everybody reads, she goes, that's fair. Or she's that's, like, that's not fair. Yeah, it, it really depends. But yeah, you were like, she started out, she was like, so, and I looked at Dylan, and I was like, hey, it's my line. <laughs> right. Have you got, I gotta know real quick, and I've listened to, I think I've been through all you guys' podcasts, I'm not sure, but has, ever, has any one of them not been fair, and then you guys just throw down the gauntlets? Like, uh, like yeah. Psycho. 
Oh yeah, yeah, Blair Witch Project, like Dylan, like I literally had to walk away from the podcast for a few minutes because Dylan got so upset because I t- t- tore it apart. I can't even look at it. Yeah, it was bad. Is that Psycho and uh, the the Parasites episode? I bailed out because I had a feeling that it wasn't going to be good. And it went just about way worse than I thought. <laughs> I wasn't even I wasn't even actually a full like a full time part of yeah, the podcast. That was when I was just filling started. in uh, for Sarah because she didn't really care for the movies too much. And uh, again, I had front row seats to that shit show. That was pretty fun though. <laughs> right. All right. So um, this this one to me, I spent a lot of time thinking about because this almost seems like it's two different movies slammed into one or two different two different directions on the same movie it's like all right we need to have a very over the top very campy hokey take on this and then it was when that started getting to be too much they're like all right now we've got to be subdued and silent creepy and it's a bit in the middle and a bit mixed and and so it's it's difficult for me to let movies like this go because it's like I, I almost I almost like yearn over what could have been because it's like man if you would have just picked one and 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 stuck with it I, I think it, it could have really been a, a lot more fleshed out and been a lot oh, more solid project yeah and so um, that being said I I do think that at no point. If, I don't think that if they would have went campy with it, I don't think that they would have known it was campy, and I think they would have gone serious, which I'm not a fan of, like, serious campy stuff like Sierra was saying earlier, you know, so it's like, it's campy, so have fun with it, that, I, that I'm cool with, but, like, if it's campy and you think that it's creepy, it's like, ah, oh, man, I feel a little silly watching movies that are campy, they know they're campy and they're trying to be serious, Yeah. you know, so, um, I, I'm a, I'm very ambivalent about this movie. There's pieces of it that I really like. There's pieces of it that I'm very much, man. I wonder what could have been. Um, so, to, for starters, I'd come, and not only that, the transitions I thought were a bit poor. I, you know, even for 1930 something. I mean, I don't even think. I mean, and I love Nosferatu huge fan of Nosferatu yes. both both the both the 22 version and the remake the 79 version I just told Dylan I said how the fuck are we covering the cabinet of Dr. Caligari but not fucking Nosferatu on the 1920s episode like what the fuck because I right. have so much to say about cabinet of Dr. Caligari <laughs> oh you have no idea yeah. <laughs> he's, he's gonna um, be like I'm gonna go to say something he's gonna like, shut up hold on sure. <laughs> right and so, um, and then the 1979 remake of Nosferatu with Klaus Kinski, I, I love too. And that's actually getting another remake, by the way. Um, is it? Yeah, Nosferatu, the remake I heard is coming out this year. And the guy that did The Witch, Robert Eggers, he's he's directing it. So I'm, I'm, I've been That might actually hard. be worth watching. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been hard over that idea for like six months. You know, so like, I can but, attest uh, to that. But like, <laughs> and so like, anyway, um, but... So I would come in right at a hodgepodge score of like, it's definitely worth watching. Um, 
it's one of those that you have to see if you're into horror and it's definitely a rite of passage but if you're not a mondo horror fan i don't know that there's going to be much rewatch value and even for a lot of straight horror fans i don't know that there's going to be a lot of rewatch value because other than to try to figure out what's going on but i think you can figure all that out from like a wikipedia search you know yeah, and uh and, and so I would I would come in right at a five normally, but because of what this because it tried it overreached in so many places. Mm-hmm. It tried so hard, but it didn't have the horsepower to accomplish what it really wanted to do. And so I would come right in at a at a five normally, but because I appreciate so much of what they were accomplishing that it's like without this, I don't think you get to the Val Luton pictures that we covered last week. Yeah. You know, I don't think you get there without some of these silent scenes and some of the, and the screeching vulture and, and some of these really cool pieces of imagery. And I have a lot of respect for that, especially at the time in the 30s, especially the time in the 30s where horror is still very much finding its fingers, you know. And so I have a huge respect for that. So I'm going to bump it just a little bit. I'm going to come right in at a 5.8. Breathing on a curve. Yep. Sierra. Larry did that last week. <laughs> This movie has me split in two because the storyline didn't thrill me by any means and the acting didn't blow my mind either. But I think um, visually it was very beautiful um, and very well filmed and I think that's where I'm like so torn because like I'm a very visual person so watching it I was like oh it's so pretty. I have no clue what's happening, (laughs) you know? I have no clue what's happening but I love it. Yeah, it's so pretty to look at but I just... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I really do. I wanna. I wanna love it. Like I wanna say it's amazing. It's fantastic. But that would be a little bit of a, a lie, and I don't like to lie. Right. Um. I'm gonna say it was very confusing. Uh. And it, it just it it committed to too many things, and then but didn't commit to anything at all. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Yep. So. Um. I'm going to actually agree with John and say 5.8. So we're pretty much all around the same. Erica. The average is a 5.8. I think that's fair. <laughs> 5. Point what? 5.8. Yeah, no, I like that. I'm on Well, look, uh, I, I, like on a, on a scale, like that's almost a 6. Like a 6 to me out of 10 is not a bad score. No, that's like, like moderate. Right, yeah, it's like watch like, it. Take it or leave it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd curve that grade to pass it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to have it back next year in class, but... Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want to have it back next year in class, so you're happy to kind of you know, see it go. But it's definitely one that I think people should check out, and you almost have to check out What's if it? you're a horror fan. What, one but... of the very first feature-length zombie movies? Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's, um, isn't it funny how today's zombies and, and the 30s zombies, it's like... Super funny when you watch the transition of zombie movies to like like these like uh, their idea of what a zombie yeah is like a zombie then uh, and then in the forties are like they they don't look dead like they're not dead they're not rotten they're just like peep they're like brainwashed essentially people it's just it's just you minus your soul right yeah the concept is cool because both of them have been like voodoo you know I actually them. talked about zombies in, in history class like voodoo. I don't know why it had come up, but it had come up in history class. But they're voodoo zombies. Essentially, they're not dead. 
there's nothing wrong with them. It's just like they're controlled. But it's interesting how we went from that to things like the zombies that we have now that are created Romero by zombies. like huh? zombies. Romero zombies. Yeah, and just children shouldn't play with dead things. <laughs> Trigger warning. Well, I, I, almost feel, I almost feel like it's starting to circle back a little bit. Yeah. But not, not that they're under any sort of like, they don't have a master by any means. But I mean, I feel like they're almost circling back to like being a little bit more subdued. Because we're, um, 30 Days a Night, was that vampires or something? That was vampires. Yeah, vampires. Uh, vampires. Okay. So, but but no, we did go they, through they a transition. I'm, I'm thinking of like 20, was it 28 days later? Yeah, where had, they had the violent, the rage virus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's so like they were like superhuman, super fast, super mm-hmm. violent, and it's kind of like circling back. Yeah, now, now like, they're now they're back to like Romero zombies, like OG, right. like Walking Dead. Walking right. Dead. But they did have a they did have twenty eight days later though, like John said, where they weren't actually dead. They weren't zombies. They just it had was this a virus. virus that yeah. Had them raged out. I am I am legend was like that too. Was yeah. it? Was, it was a rabies virus that had gone untreated for so long, turned yep. into a zombie. That was. That was it. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk freaks. Freaks. Right. Like me. This movie right. hit me in, in, in the heart feels. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Agreed. Alright, so next we're gonna talk about what is referred to as one of the most controversial films of all time. 1932's Freaks. I don't think it's like I mean, I don't know. For I don't time, think it's that controversial. For the time. Well, we're have you seen have you seen the uh, this, the the theatrical poster for this? I, I think it's still pretty controversial. It, it's got what's her name? She's kissing. Uh, is it ha- uh, Hans? Is his name? Hans. Hans. Yeah, Hans. she's kissing it. She's kissing him in her lap. I'm looking at it right now, and Hercules is just over to the side. And at the top, it says, "Can a full-grown woman truly love a midget?" <laughs> she even says she calls him a midget in the movie. And yeah, like, he's, he's a dwarf. <laughs> right, right. Leave so it's, him I think alone. it's still pretty controversial, especially in today's PC mania. You know, there's so much here that's like, even today, if I were to pop this movie in in like inner city Minneapolis in a drive-thru, like... People might feel... That's the thing, I feel like like, it might be offensive in in ways, but I feel like... I don't know. I, well, we're, we're going to get into yeah, it. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's so, do the plot stuff first. <laughs> so the movie was directed by Todd Browning, who uh, was successful due to Dracula's releasing the year before. Uh, the screenplay was by Willis Goldbeck and Leon Gar- Gordon. Leon. Leon Gordon. Uh, it starred Wallace Ford as Froso, Leah Hyams as Venus. Olga. Ogla? <laughs> Baklanova. Olga. Yeah, Olga Baklanova. Baklanova as Cleopatra, Harry Earls as Hans, and Daisy Earls as Frida. There were so many cast members for this movie. Those are those are the big ones that we got to hit on. Um, and you still didn't butcher him as bad as Sarah in the fifties. Yeah, I love Sarah. I can't read. <laughs> don't don't let her throw that pity party at you guys. She can too. <laughs> I, I dropped out of school in third grade, guys. I just didn't get that far. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I went to a little bit of college, guys. Good. Right. Good. I believe you. Thanks. Names are hard. They actually <laughs> right? are. I'm not I'm kidding. Yeah, no, they Especially, are. Because, like, some people just, like, they'll write, like, Dan, and they'll be like, my name's Kevin. What? Well, especially up here in Scandinaviaville, there's, there's names with, like, three Ks and two Zs. It's like... 
It's like Bakanaka Slavowitz, and it's like, can I call you Bill? You know, how about that? You know, you're talking to Miss Cowhow over here. But the the movie was based on a story called Spurs by Todd Robbins, um, to a degree. Todd, uh, Todd, yeah, Todd Browning had taken on the project, and MGM had tasked him with the, well, tasked him with making a movie that was quote unquote going to out horror Frankenstein. So Todd Browning did that, but. He did it a little too much. <laughs> they were not pleased. Yeah. Uh, this movie, the initial screening was, again, quote-unquote, disastrous. They ended up having to cut about 30 minutes from the movie. Oh, it was, yeah. It was banned in the UK until the 50s. It was banned in a lot of cities and states in the US, which, fun fact... Those laws were never repealed, so to this day, it is still technically illegal to own this movie in certain parts of the U.S. Well, dang. <laughs> um, I feel like a rebel. The Metal movie, as fuck. The movie, uh, <laughs> a woman even tried to sue MGM because she claimed that this movie affected her so much that she had a miscarriage due to this yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Yep. Yeah. So, crazy stuff. You good? You good? Can I, uh... Can, can, can I can I talk about the um, the original uncut version of this movie? Yeah. Okay. So I I did a little bit of reading up on this, and I'm I mean I would assume you guys have kind of seen the same stuff. Some of the stuff that they cut from this movie, I want to see that cut mm-hmm. because in the that ending scene, which was scary as which I thought was creepy as fuck when they all start falling out of the darkness, mm-hmm. and like where they where they subdue Hercules and where they name Cleopatra. She deserved that it. That was originally that was originally way longer. And in the original uncut footage, they showed Hercules being castrated. Holy shit. They showed Hercules being castrated. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty dark for the 30s. Yeah. Well, that, that's, you think that's dark is, for today's time. Like, 30s is pre-code. So they didn't have like any limitations yeah, as far as moralistic but this in terms is what of I'm saying with standard. the 30s though at the same time they literally would put you in psych wards for looking at people weird yeah like if you yeah. put out this idea that I'm gonna castrate someone on screen I feel like <laughs> I wouldn't want people to know that thought was in my head well that's funny you say that because uh, Todd Browning after releasing this movie he would never recovered from the release of this movie he got so much shit for this movie he got hate letters of people that are saying he had to be a freak himself to let someone Something this oh, mental out. That, okay, that um, breaks right. my heart. So he actually never recovered from this. He ended up retiring in 1939 because he could not get decent work after this movie okay. because That's of the right. because of the backlash. So ha- think about this: the year before this, he put out Dracula, which to this day is one of the biggest horror films of all time. A year later, he puts out this film. His career is ruined. Okay, right. I need to say something. The thing that pisses me off about this whole situation is that what people probably found scary about this film was not the evil slut bitch Cleopatra (laughs) it was that the fact that these people were disfigured and deformed that makes me so mad because they were so nice well what's funny is the the whole plot of this movie if you you watch it uh, it's that 
these people that are quote unquote freaks were actually living side show normal, freaks, right? They yeah. were living normal lives. Exactly. They had relationships, the, they had love, they cared about other and people. And I thought they that the, the one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Schlitzy? The people told. She was actually a sideshow performer. It was a guy. It makes me yeah. so yeah. mad that people totally missed the whole part of this film that well, they were not the things to be afraid of. Exactly. It was Cleopatra and. Hercules that were the bad the real monsters the villains. They, they were the, were monsters the real movies. Well, and it's always it's always a, a very fine line to walk when you're using physical deformities that are actually real mm-hmm. because even then even today your handling of the material in horror is always important and I get some shit for this with some of the other authors that I run with and talk to and everything else that like because you know I have no issue doing extreme things being demented and twisted in horror i have no problem with it but it all depends on your handling of the exactly material. the way you go about and, it and so when you're and when you're dealing with and when you're dealing with people with physical deformities the, and these people actually had deformities you run the risk of people thinking that you're casting them as monsters you don't need cgi for them. exactly it's and cool. so it's like people are like oh well you these are your monsters. You didn't even have to pay to put them in a wolf suit. It's like, you're kind of missing the point. That's mm-hmm. I'm not trying to paint them as monsters, you know, but, but that's how people are going to see it oh on, a, on, a, on a face basis. Well, I had, uh, level, I had said you know. to Sierra when we were watching the movie, I was like, this movie really, other than the whole Hans and Cleopatra thing, there's really no plot. It really was just showing no. these day-to-day lives of these people to show that they were normal people. Now, yep, exactly. this movie had 30 minutes... Yeah, this movie had 30 minutes cut, and from what I found, a majority of what was cut was actually stuff that made you sympathize with the freaks, and it was stuff <coughs> that made the normal people look like assholes. They cut right. that out, and I think what a, a, a big part of the outrage of this movie was, was the people watching the movie missing the point and just seeing themselves being depicted as pieces of shit. Because they're doing well, the they same were, thing. Cause, exactly, and they were doing the same thing. The scene, a scene that I absolutely love from this movie, I'm not even looking at this movie as a horror movie. I'm looking at this as, like, this movie is an important film just for what it did for its time. Yes, um, The absolutely. scene that I love is when, I think it's the woman who runs the sideshow or the circus or whatever. Mm-hmm. She has um, uh, the... It's, it's I don't know their micro- names. They have micros microcephaly, right? Yeah, yeah. the yeah. the bald headed pinhead. Yeah. yeah, they had them, and she had brought them out to the woods to play. And they the guy comes over, and they're like, "You guys can't be here." And she explains to them, like, you know, I'm trying to take them out as frequently as I can and let them play like real children, like, you know, they're her children. Like, like, and she treated them very sweetly. She wasn't ever mean or cruel to them. And I was just like, "Thank you." Well, that was right. that was one of the scenes that were cut. Was uh, that was extended originally, and she's explaining to them like you know they sit in these hot tents all day so that they can be sideshow attractions, and the guy actually. But they are just children. Yeah, and the guy actually replies to that with, "I'll remember that, and I will remember you the next time I go to the." Oh my god, I'm not even kidding. Like I have goosebumps thinking about it because it was just like was like there were scenes that literally had me like, okay, this is so stupid, I know, but I literally welled up with tears when Frida was talking about how she knows that Cleopatra is just making fun of Hans behind his back because he's little. And I was oh, just like, I literally... Silly. That's not silly. I, like, when, she, when she was like sitting there and she was welling up with tears and she she truly loves Hans 
Like, I know it's like, she's an actress. She's an amazing actress. She did so good. But I feel like she was probably taking from real emotions that she's had, because I'm sure that she's been te- she had been teased or made fun of at some point in her life for the way that she was. Mm-hmm. But I, I literally, I welled up with tears, and I was like, these poor people, like, this is terrible. And the part after that, at the dinner scene, when they're making fun of mm-hmm. Hans, and she's just hysterical. The wedding, and she's, yeah, like, hysterically and she, crying. she has to walk yeah. away, and Hans is sitting there completely completely just embarrassed mm-hmm. and right. he's just yeah. what is he gonna do you know he just sits there and takes it oh my god and i find it really uh, honestly like looking at it today this movie broke my heart looking at it today we it don't really, really look did. at it as a horror movie uh by today's standards i mean the part at the end where they're crawling under the carriage it's definitely a very creepy thing it is. but what kind of it, I, honestly it makes me a little angry is the fact that we watch it today and we feel these emotions for these, you know, freaks that... Quote-unquote. Yeah, quote-unquote. Yeah, air quote. Air quote. We feel bad for them because of the way that they're mistreated. And it kind of makes me angry that people going and watching this movie in the 30s were so pissed off and were like, this movie's an outrage because they completely missed the point mm-hmm. and probably didn't help with the, the no. message or this, anything This movie whatsoever. might be the, the biggest emotional hit I've ever had watching. It was it was truly, the message in this film was, was, was important. And I think it's still important because I think that there are still people today that will look at someone who's different and judge them based on that. And that's never okay in my book, ever. I don't care. Well, and if you want a, a bigger, an even bigger emotional punch, we, uh, Beck and I had done some reading into this, whatever, Hans and um, uh, Frida... Sisters. We're actually, bro- yeah, yeah. we're actually brother and sisters, and there was there's a whole family of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so it's like when they're actually embracing in the end of the like, it makes a lot of those scenes a lot more tender because it's like it's almost as if you can you're see seeing, like, behind the screen mm-hmm. exactly. You're almost seeing them bemoan the tragedy of the human condition and how they're viewed. Well, that's the thing too is that I think it. I think that them being family also added to their reactions emotionally because, like, my siblings piss me the fuck off. You know, like I, like you know, there's times where I'm like, fuck you, you know, but I remember being in high school and if like I heard anybody say anything bad about my big my older brother Kyle, I was pissed. Like, don't right. talk about my brother. You know, like, that's that, you know? Like, so I'm sure that them being siblings in real life, those emotions, like, seeing somebody say those things to your sibling probably really hurt her feelings, you know what I mean? Right. Nobody can beat my brother's ass but me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You don't talk about... And and that's the thing. It's like, it's, you know, this movie had so many, so many beautiful moments in it and important messages in it, and it's just, like, such a shame that it was lost in the times. I mean, looking at it, too, uh, there's the whole scene where I think it was Frozo, who was the clown, um, he, where he's messing around with all the, uh, quote-unquote pinheads, because I'm not going to try Oh, my gosh, yeah. Where he's like, I'm going to buy you a hat, and then he's like, but I'm going to buy you a Yeah, he's like, but I'm going to buy them a bigger hat, and she starts, like, hitting and they're, like, playing around, like, like, And and he, like, it's like, it's almost like he's, like, he wants them to feel... Like anybody else, mm-hmm. yeah, like a, right? You're beautiful, yeah. and, and I care for you. And you, you get these moments throughout the entire film. And this movie is an hour long, and 
after an hour, I felt so connected with every character. Yeah, and that's which is saying something to because, do because there's like 12 characters. Exactly. But you get to know every single character and you see them living in everyday life. I hate Cleopatra. Yeah. And you. and the and the and the really good news about this is this is one of this is a movie that's preserved in the halls of Congress and uh, Damn for being culturally and culturally and socially significant. And I think this is one of those stories and one of those movies that should never be forgotten yeah. because and and maybe and maybe it's best that they use people with these physical deformities because for one thing it makes it so much easier for an audience to see these issues mm-hmm. rather rather than just basing it on to we're going to broaden this out a little bit now to base it on on skin color or or on skin color or even different points of view you know like people that are like okay all right i'm gonna try to make this as concise as i possibly can all right so like i believe all right but i'm gonna try to make this as concise as i possibly can but we're getting to a point human nature and it's at its core is tribal you know it's it you group together with people that are like you so that way you can fend off people who are not like you. And the beauty of America as a whole is it says you don't have to be tribal. You, you don't have to be that way if you don't want to be. And we're in this day and age where it's never lost, where there's always a divide socially in some way, shape or form, whether it's skin color or even viewpoint. How many I know so many people that get so wrapped up in politics that it's like if you're conservative and you're Republican, then you're not welcome here. Or if you're, or if you're liberal and you're a Democrat, you're not welcome here. And so to bring this all, you know, together, you're talking about the same types of ugly social emotions, mm-hmm. where anybody that's different than you is not welcome. Exactly. You know, and and that's like Sierra was saying earlier, that's never okay. And using this storyline where where you're using. Uh, these sideshow performers who had actual deformities, it makes it very clear for the audience to see these issues rather than dealing, like I said, with skin color or politics or whatever. It, ma- it makes it very, very visual. You can see these points on display. And so uh, I think it was uh, uh, Morgan Freeman had the quote or whatever. It's like, how do you how do you stop racism or, or whatever? Stop talking about it and stop drawing attention to it. And in that same way, these scenes that you guys are talking about is, is where they were taking, they were they were taking the children out um, for playtime to be normal. They they treat they literally did not treat them as if they were any different mm-hmm. within within the the traveling show, and and so how do you get around those issues of seeing huge differences and deformities and ugly reasons why you don't want to be friends with somebody? Stop drawing attention to it exactly. and literally just live your life and not worry about it. So it's like by drawing so much attention to like, to like, okay, well, what's the proper term for Mexicans or the proper term for African-Americans or whatever. It's like, rather than worrying about that, why don't you guys just all pull up a beer and hang out? Like, just you know. Figure like, out what his name is. That's Bob, yeah, there you go. Right. Let's go hang out with Bob. Right, exactly. So it's like, so rather than worry about whether Hans is a dwarf or a midget or whatever it is, Pull up a beer and hang out. It's like you want to know what he is. His name is Hans. That that's who he is. And Google you know? Gobble, we accept you. Right. <laughs> yeah. and Go- Google perfect. Gobble, we accept you. You know. So that it, scene, when they started singing that, and she like freaked out. I was like, oh, here it goes. 
I, right. I think it's for that reason, though, John, that you, that you brought up, that I, I honestly, horror fan or not, I would suggest that anybody watch this movie. Absolutely. It's a good 100%, 100%. Absolutely. Exactly. And for that reason, I just, the vengeful, angry piece of me, I wish the Hercules castration scene was left in. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. because it's like, shit probably, like that. I would like to see a lot of the deleted scenes on this. I'm going to be the one person, I... I really wasn't a fan of this movie. Um, it's it's not been one of my favorite that we've covered. Still better than the 50s. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't. However, I think that this movie has an extremely important message. Uh, well, there's, behind there it. is two sides of this, like Eric is saying. There's how well it played as a movie. Mm-hmm. And, and then and there is the message. Was, that was the hardest you know. thing for me. Separating the message from the movie, you know. Exactly, and that's why I I didn't really care for it too much. One, I I didn't really feel that it was a a horror movie. Um, Two, I don't really feel like it had... It didn't have a storyline per se. Like, it had, had like, you can point out a plot in it, you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it didn't have, like, a, a... really solid storyline. Well, it doesn't start picking up on that until Cleopatra learns that Hans has the inheritance. Exactly. So, I, I And mean, that's it, how long into the movie? How long does that take? I, I, oh, I gosh, mean, that felt like forever. It, the like, movie's an hour long, and I want to say it was probably at least a half, half hour, hour in, yeah. into the movie before you even see that. And I, I just felt like, to me, overall, uh, it... It was another one that was was slightly uh, was slightly choppy for me, um, and a little kind of like all over the place. Like I could, like I was saying earlier, with a white zombie coming out of that that uh, the nineteen twenties and the silent films and very much that theater presence. You can really see kind of those breaks and those stops in this, and it very much had. Um, a silent film feel to it. Yeah. With yep. dialogue. I mean, it was, it, but it had that very, like, the facial expressions were there and the, the body language was there, which I think are all very, um, very strong for it. And it, it, it definitely boosted there. Like as far as, as far as a, a work of art, it hit the nail on the head. I think that this movie just really has such a deep message. And it's one of those movies where, like we've said, where, like, once you start talking about it, you really see how deep this movie mm-hmm. is. And it really is. It is an extremely deep movie. And I think that the message that it has transcends to today. And I think that it is a very uh, important film. And I would recommend it to people. For me, it was more about really trivial stuff I guess <laughs> than than the overall uh, which it, it, thinking about it is, is I was definitely coming into it with a, a much lower score than I now like talking about it I think I'm actually going to give it but it, it still it, it wasn't like I don't know it just wasn't Dylan fucking ruined it for me I'm just going to throw it out there Dylan <laughs> said she's defending herself before we've even attacked Dylan her. said that he was like so I started watching it and Dylan popped in and I had it paused and he was like oh it's pretty much American Horror Story and sure as shit like after he left I was like god damn Dylan <laughs> the fuck right. 
So now, right. like, that's what I had in my head, and I could see, obviously, you can see, it literally was like, they cut and pasted that, which, which, looking at American Horror Story, and looking at, like, this movie, just to do a quick comparison, it, they're very spot on from to each other. However, American Horror Story would, the, the series that they did with the American Horror, uh, American Horror Story Freak Show... Right. It would have been spot on for the 30s because they completely missed the fucking message too. And the 30s (laughs) would have ate that shit up. Yeah. Um, Whereas I think this movie would do better in today's time because it is a message that all of us, I think, need to hear. But um, I loved that they used, that they did use the people with the disabilities because I think that it gave it uh, obviously a very more natural feel Mm -hmm. and I think that doing that it is less offensive than you having a guy who tucks his legs up into his pants dragging himself around. I don't think that there would have been any way for them at this point in time to make any type of disability believable. Yeah, and, and I think that it also too like these were like people in the in the freak show like the sideshow business for them it was a, a lot of them it was the only job they could get yeah mm-hmm. and it's like right. you you look at that now and it's like holy shit like labor laws would have like your head on a fucking Dude, platter Dude, services are like shit, totally shut down well, now, aren't Todd, they? Uh, Todd Browning uh, from when I looked into this he had actually worked in a circus when he was younger. So that kind of inspired him to make the movie a lot, as well as so you know treat it with deeper, treat it with respect. Yeah, he had a deeper understanding and, of the whole situation. I mean, going as far as talking again about how the audience missed the message, the studio missed the message. I mean, exactly. Look, yeah, looking into look at what they well look at one look at what they cut from the movie. Yeah, and two and then they labeled like, it a horror movie to start with. Yeah, like, and by calling it a horror movie, you're saying you're marketing that these people these are horrifying as a monster. Well, on top right. of that, too, looking into the making of the movie, like, the quote-unquote freaks, they had to eat lunch outside at a separate table. They weren't allowed to sit with the rest are of the guests. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. The, that the makes studio, me uh, so angry. Yeah. The studio Jeez. did not treat them with respect. I'm, like, pissed. I found another fun fact, too. Um, the Hilton sisters, the conjoined twins, they were shooting, and they were sitting outside of the cafeteria one day, and F. Scott Fitzgerald saw them. And he, like, kind of did a double take, I guess. And I guess later on in one of his books, he had written about a movie studio that was making a movie about a circus. And it was, That's everybody's funny. kind of just like, really? oh, this is obviously what yeah. it is. Yeah. That's funny. Nice. I, I honestly think that the storyline for this movie is super modern for the time period. I think, I, I don't, I, and, and like John said, I don't think that it should have been labeled horror. I don't think it was meant to be a horror movie. Um, no, but it's a marketing tool, and that's, like, yeah. really, I, look at how well, the sideshow did so well for so long because people were willing to pay to see that, and now you're seeing it on on the big screen, you know what I mean? Like, people are going to pay to see that, I mean... Well, you're see, just, you, see it, you see it today just as much, I mean, yeah. you have, look at, uh, there was a bunch of controversy a f- couple months ago because... Get Out was up for a bunch of rewards as a comedy, and people were like, well, is it comedy? Is it horror? It was a social commentary movie, is what it was meant to be. Right. It it got labeled as horror. It got labeled as comedy. Nobody really knew what to label it. So you still see things like that today, but it is definitely a timeless movie. Well, one of the things, like, when you read in this, uh, one of the things that was cut that I 
really wish wasn't. The, um, Are we talking about the ball cutting scene again? <laughs> no, 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 no. Testicles no, no. again? Um, testicles again. <laughs> testicles again. Testicles again. Testicles again. Calm down today. What with if the they remade this and you see fucking Hercules get castrated and then you see like Guy Fieri no, walk Andrew Zimmer. Like, Guy Fieri walking? I got you guys. <laughs> Wait. All right. So I'm going to try this, okay? So, uh, so what do I. Okay, I got to dip it. He always dipping them in something too. Hercules crawls, bro. But, but like, um, spice. Well, and I guess one of the other extended scenes too is like in the final one, you only see Cleopatra screaming under the tree. In the original cut, you see them maiming her. I think she was a human duck is what's which was the origin of the duck face I would guess you know but uh, <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, found it but like in, in, in one of the just as a little side note the human torso the guy that didn't have any limbs when he's uh lighting his cigarette in the original cut you saw him rolling it too yeah and so I was like, really? that would have been really cool to see. That would have been awesome. Like, Dude, the, like, I was watching that scene when he was lighting the cigarette, like, pulling out, like, opening the matchbook, like, pulling out the cigarette, or the light, the match, lighting it. Like, I was watching that, I was like, holy fuck, I can't do that. I can barely right. do that with my hands. Right. Skin yeah. I can't even tie a knot into a cherry stem. Right. Oh. Right. No, and I've attempted it. Well, but, like, so, <laughs> so and, and I think... But I, I think that uh, I remember like it took me completely off guard at the very end when they're all looking down and uh, it's like um, the origin of how she came to be this way is you know is debated or whatever else and you see her and she's she's like her hands are melted I guess so they really fucked her up like her hands are melted her legs I believe are are severed at the knee and because I had to read up on this to what actually I was seeing. And so, her hands are are melted, and her and it's and it's the actress who played Cleopatra. So this was makeup and special effects. So it was meant to be the same character. Um, so like her hands were melted, her legs were severed below the knee, and her like legs were melted too. And her face, like her mouth was like melted into like the form of a duck bill. And it's like man, they fucked her up. Like, like well, they they made her what she was so nasty towards. Ex- you know? Exactly, and she refused. To be one of them at in the dinner scene when they're like Google Gobble, we accept her. And she's like, I'm not one of you. You guys are freaks. And she dances around with Hans on her shoulders mm-hmm. in one of the most heartless he, things I've ever seen. Like he put his, like, his head in his hands, like he was like trying to hide, and it's just like, <gasps> right? No, Hans, so, you're beautiful. Don't be like that, buddy. It's okay. Like right. I just felt horrible. Another scene it, that they cut too from that was um, again going to make the humans or the normal people, quote unquote, look like the assholes of the movie uh there was a part where i think it was hercules after that part happened he's just like oh all these people so sad over a mangy midget being hung over or some shit like that like kind of just like not sympathetic whatsoever towards the fact that they were trying to poison this dude yeah right they were trying to poison this dude and steal his money yeah you know and, th- and that thought to, like, steal Hans's inheritance, and if Rita knew about it and was kind of throwing the information around willy-nilly, I'm going to guess that it probably wasn't, like, information that anybody else... Like, it wasn't special knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, it was probably pretty commonplace that people knew that Hans had an inheritance, and that thought to steal it from him occurred to no one but Cleopatra and Hercules. Exactly. So it's like... So it's like... So it's like, these performers... We're like, oh yeah, well, good on him. You know, he's got an inheritance, whatever. I got work to do. 
You know, like it didn't occur to any of them to steal Hans's inheritance aside from Cleopatra and Hercules. So it's like you are a special kind of fucking. <laughs> but wasn't it? Wasn't it actually Hans that ran the show, or am I thinking? Yeah, I thought it was Hans that ran the show for a while. Like he's the one that funded it or something. I, I might be off. I think it. I think it. They did mention that he like. He funded it. He, he always looks it, suave yeah. as hell. Like, he always is just nice. So I, I knew he had something, some right. sort of well, money. <laughs> and and not only that, like the effects of this, even in the movie industry, can't really be ignored because um, I think it's probably pretty clear that Rob is a fan of this movie because House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name now, but Bill Mosley's character. Otis. Is, yeah, Otis isn't Otis turning everybody into like human monster to form yeah, a new yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, this and, and white so, zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah this <laughs> and white zombie. So we did Rob Zombie week with no Rob Zombie movies. Oh, if if you read into Rob, like Rob is a huge fan of 30s and 40s horror. Yeah. And so like, and so like he's constantly watching a lot of these older movies and stuff. And so like, I think that that's the the point of what we've been talking about this whole time. I think that that healthy respect for important stories i think it is is big because these stories whenever we tell them especially in the horror genre they go farther than their subject matter and that's why i'll scream it from the rooftops it's like horror comes from the heart and if you mistreat the subject matter you're gonna miss the point and you're gonna do some ugly things Mm -hmm. and because at some point if you're just doing demented shit with no point you're just doing demented shit you know what i mean so it's like having a handling of the material, a healthy handling of material is very, very important. And so, um, you know, for Rob to be that influenced by these older stories, I think is important because even in, in the zombie motif, you're dealing with things that are very real fears for people because you have narcissists that brainwash people all the time. How many times have you, how many times have you met someone without a battered woman syndrome or a dude that can't let go of a chick because he's convinced he's insane because some some chick has basically turned him into a zombie or or vice versa yeah you know, like a, a woman has been turned into basically a zombie by whoever she was with you know mm-hmm. so these things are relevant topics if you zoom out to like the larger picture of, of what they're saying and, and this movie is certainly no exception and i think it's important especially in the horror genre to have some extended meaning for why you're creating things i will either shining light on a topic or being socially relevant or, or, you know, some alternative reason why you're throwing so much blood and gore, you know, on, on the screen, you know? And so, um, it, it, I don't know, it just makes my heart warm to see uncle Rob, you know, keeping stuff like this strong. Cause that was actually the first time I had heard the name white zombie thrown around. Well, I mean, obviously from the, you know, the band white zombie, but yeah. But I had no idea until I was probably... Speaking of I, White Zombie. Yeah, right. But I mean, like, I, I had no idea until I was probably 14 or 15 that the movie White Zombie was, like, a movie until yeah. I was reading up on Rob. And Rob was like, yeah, everybody should see this movie. And I was like, it's one hell of yeah. Favorite. Yeah. It's like, hell yeah, Rob Zombie loves this movie. I love it too. You know? I definitely like, thought I was going to love it for that reason. Is that bad? Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, White Zombie, Rob Zombie, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not, well, a, you, I'm not a huge Rob, like Rob Zombie, zombie so music aspect fan but his movies i really enjoy so i was like yeah he makes fun. he makes great horror so i'm gonna love i it. love i love his movies but again dude i cannot get down 
I put on Thunderkiss 65 last night, and Sierra's just like, why the fuck are you doing this? Find, <laughs> find, no, I'm not even kidding. Find my Snapchat and watch that shit. It's so funny. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I mean, the thing about Rob's music that a lot of people, I think, miss the point of is it's all supposed to be fun. Yeah. Like, so he's, he's pulling out these, like, dreaded horror concepts that aren't, you know, it's more about the groove of the music is all it's about. And so he's just finding... Like, if you listen to his live performances, like, they're not creepy at all. Like, yeah. like he, he's running around just like a regular rock star. And, and, and he's got this... like, a total hippie, really. I mean, he's, like, oh, an animal activist. He's a vegan. He, like... Yeah. And so, like... And so, like... And so everything in Rob Zombie's music is about this sexy-ass groove he's always got. And so he's got this one song literally called Ging Gang Gong Do Gong Dalaga Raga. And if you listen to that song and you don't bob your head, you're dead. Like, even look at like fucking Dragula. If I didn't know what the video for Dragula was and I heard that, I would not expect to see the video and have it be like him in full face makeup and like fucking. Yeah, no. Fuck. I mean, like, like, and that's the thing. Rob Zombie's music. It might not be for everybody, but it is like, it it is music that makes you feel a certain way. Well, it makes you want to move. That's the yeah. Thing. Like, it makes you want to walk with a little bit of a groove. Yeah. yeah. You want to walk a little bit of a groove. So like, so like even. Um, Thing I love about Dragula. Dragula is one of those songs like nobody, very few people know all the words to that song. But you put on the main chorus and everybody's like, yeah, exactly. Everybody knows that, you know. So anyway, way off topic, but yeah. My point is, love Rob, love Rob, don't love Rob. Take what you like, whatever. But I'm just saying that for. Uh, modern filmmakers to look further into the past than just the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, I think is important. Especially you know, look and, past the 80s, for me. Right. Please. And, and so, because <laughs> I mean, so like, I instantly want to really hear out a filmmaker if they say like, I'm really influenced by like 40s horror or, or 60s horror or something like that. It's like, oh, okay. Like, you probably so have it's really than, good taste. <laughs> Right. Well, but it, I mean, it it shows me that they have a really healthy love for the genre, mm-hmm. Absolutely. and and that and that comes completely around to what the point that Dylan made to start this whole thing is that it's uh, people missing the point, you know, and, and and that's one thing that we never want to lose sight of in horrors. We don't want to miss the point, and and so with a story like Freaks. It's it's important to have a healthy love, not just for the horror genre, but for all stories in general, and understanding the power that they can have. Mm-hmm. And so, knowing that these stories can reach further and do really cool things and be socially significant is a really really good thing. And so, I think it's something the horror genre needs more of is more exploration into. We talked about that last week too, with like cat people, you know, because that movie's more about like relationships, yeah, you know. Exactly. And, 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 and so having a healthy understanding of that for modern filmmakers, I think, is really, really important. And I would advocate that, you know, any day of the week. And so, like I said, love Rob, don't love Rob. But the dude, the dude's got a healthy love for the horror genre, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that a lot of other people need to kind of follow suit with that. Because, I mean, how, I don't think that I've ever heard a modern filmmaker mention Freaks. No. Like, We'll Google you know. it. We'll, we'll have to watch <laughs> interviews. Right. See if All anybody right. mentions freaks or something that rocked them, you know. This is another one. I'm curious to hear everybody's ratings. Ratings! Yeah. I, I went first last time, right? Yeah. Oh. It was you, All then right. Erica, then Becca, then John, then me. All right. 
Um, I love that this movie really didn't need a lot of dialogue or storyline to get its point across. I like that it just showed the everyday lives. I like the message. Now, while I dislike that the message was lost when it was released, I think that it holds very strong today. Um, I think the acting was amazing, and I think a lot of what Sierra said, how it almost seemed like they were taking pulling from like real, real life yeah real life experiences it made it very strong um would i watch this again probably would i recommend it absolutely i am going to give this movie an 8.3 i'm so excited to get it so high <laughs> erica all right so um... and erica's here to destroy my soul <laughs> taking you down um it wasn't it, it it's it's not my favorite um i think that it was from a from like a a movie standpoint and not it's not a horror movie in my opinion um i don't think it is at all and i think that it's actually it's kind of rude to label it a horror movie to be mm-hmm. honest i okay. i want to yep. say this to uh for anybody listening that agrees with that I had said from the the moment that we said we were going to cover this movie that I don't label it as a horror movie. Yeah. I think that it's important to cover it because of how it was labeled Historic- upon release. Historically. Yeah. yeah, no, historically it is a horror movie, but it shows you where we've come from. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think that, it, in my opinion, it is rude that it was labeled a horror movie. I don't think that it should have ever come to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did, and we've, we've moved past that. Um, I... I had a much lower rating for this movie um, before starting discussion, and I think that talking about it with you guys, and I've said this a couple times, that the more we discuss it, the more you really can see a lot of things that you might not have seen a certain way, The watching it on your own. And um, the last two episodes, I think that we've really discussed a lot of deeper meanings in these movies, and realistically it just and thinking about it the movies that we covered have been amazingly deep movies mm-hmm. and i want to see more of that now mm-hmm. like you i don't. feel Absolutely. you don't these movies Absolutely. are like they're true works of art but beyond that like beyond the visual artistry of them um beyond all of that you get th- they just have this deep meaning like this something that really like touches you as a human especially this movie um while it wasn't my favorite and dylan ruined it um (laughs) fuck you dylan uh and i really like like i said the the whole american horror story thing it kind of just kind of off put me from it um for what it was it's i would have given it a lot lower of a rating um than i'm going to but as a whole and the the story behind it and the meaning behind it and everything all weighing in on itself I'm going to come in with a I think it's 7.5 that's, wow. that's, that's fair that's fair you can't say that well, she can't okay. say it to herself. I can't say it to myself. Becca, it's your turn here's my score and it's fair fuckers, <laughs> don't change it <laughs> alright um, labeled as a horror movie, it definitely missed its mark there, obviously, because honestly, it's not a horror movie. But 
as a movie. Story-wise, there wasn't much of a story since it was more of a documentary with just a very small subplot going on. Um, so, story-wise, for me, it would have gotten a low rating. However, with, with the very potent social commentary going on there where we really have to look at labeling honestly just people in general as freaks based on our own actions that social commentary um this one gets a nice 8.5 for me see we didn't shit on it too bad Sarah (laughs) (laughs) alright so this is um there are stories that come along that are very difficult to separate the message from the message from the movie. And I feel like when they're so prevalent in such a large topic, especially, you know, I think Erica had mentioned that all, you know, throughout, you know, what she was talking about is that it's like, it's, you get so wrapped up in talking about this total issue because through the whole time we discussed this movie, how much of it was dedicated to the social commentary of it? You know, was it was quite a bit. You know, it was more. You know, so you get so wrapped up in talking about the social commentary that it's like, well, you gotta. This is a movie rating podcast. You know, so like, you have to try to see it as a movie. And and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. Like, I was, I was like, I was really impressed with Erica for having the stones to step up and be like, at some point, you gotta rate it as a movie. You know, to try not to get too wrapped up. In, in the social commentary, if you're going to rate it as a movie, so I, it's it's always really cool for me to see stories that have that far-reaching of an effect. And um, uh, that said, I'm a huge fan of any story or commentary that has very direct consequences. And this story certainly has that in spades. And I was praying the whole time I was watching this. I was like, please, please don't let Cleopatra and Hercules get away with it. Like. As like, as like, there's no way you can make this movie and have them not have to pay the pay the fiddler, you know. Pay the fiddler. And and so as and so like, they, it paid off and and they got what they deserved, which is also important, you know, depending on on the subject matter of what you're dealing with. Um, as as a as a straight. God, I mean, now, now that I think about it, I don't know that it really is even possible to separate the movie from from its social commentary. I really don't think there is, you know. And that said, um, a story that remains as socially relevant over 70 years into the future is something that can never be disregarded. And um, so I would give this a 10. I'm only going to give it a nine because I wanted to see Hercules lose those balls, <laughs> and I wanted to and I wanted to see Cleopatra get melted because 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 it's like I mean I mean well and I feel like it's a cop out from from the studio standpoint too. It's like okay, so you're going to label this a horror movie. You're going to label this a horror movie and then movie. take out the horror take and out then take out the horror elements because you don't because you don't want to seem 
whatever. Maybe we took it out because you didn't want to seem heartless or you didn't want to seem whatever. It's like, what are you actually trying to do with this? You know, like you're going to label the horror movie and then you don't want to see them graphically get what's coming to them. Like you're the one that sold in the make a horror movie about it well let's go then fucker you know all like, to the wall you know it, it, it's, <laughs> it's i i just it bothers me to be that strange about the release of a movie you know i i would act, i would want to do more research into like how they marketed it and why exactly they chopped bits of it out because <laughs> because well because it's like all right so you had no problem showcasing these people with physical deformities for 60 minutes why do you have an issue showcasing these graphic consequences for the quote unquote normal people? You know, it's like, what are you actually trying to accomplish? You know, I, I don't know. It, it's a deeper subject maybe for a different day, but I'm, I'm just saying that kind of thing really makes me sort of squint my eyes at the studio, you know? Yeah. Like, what are you really trying to do here? You know, and if you're not gonna go whole hog on it, way that it was originally shot which would have been to be honest with you leaving leaving those maiming scenes in i thought would have served the movie better as a as a, as a horror story too mm-hmm. you know i thought it would have really served the story and so to take those things out of your specific horror were really the only things that would have made it a horror movie you know to take those things out it's like well i don't know what you're even really doing anymore so why did you make the movie to begin with or why did you agree to release it to begin with you know and so those types of non-commitment bother me. You know, it's like, if you're going to sign on for a horror movie, this is what you got, you know, why are you being such a little bitch about it? Yeah. <laughs> so, especially when it comes time for the normal people to get their comeuppance, you know, that, that bothers me. So that lack of conviction and that, that cut material, not only that, I'd like to see how they handled it back in the thirties in terms of filmmaking. Like, I, I don't know that there's a way to like, really fake that yeah. <laughs> you know like i and it was shot you know they had the original they footage. really cut her legs off that's what happened no. <laughs> <laughs> no but like i would i would like to see how it was shot you know like yeah. i mean you know i think it really could have been some pieces of very visceral horror and as a parting note i think that this movie does something that not very few movies do in the entire cinematic universe which the one really cool thing about horror is horror holds up a mirror and it makes you look at yourself. And at some point with a couple of these movies throughout history, the audience has to really look at themselves to be like, why am I so intent on viewing this? <laughs> and I don't mean that as inherently as a bad thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a bad thing to do that much self introspection, but few movies have that power to have a straight up mirror where you're almost like where the audience almost feels like the monster of the movie for needing to view it, you know? And so I think those stories are really, really fucking important too. And it's just very, very interesting, you know, to, to think about it on that deep of a level. So anyway, just one of those, are you not entertained? (laughs) Is it, you know, is is it entertainment or are you taking it one step even further? And I don't know. Like I said, it's it's a big long discussion, and and I'll you know leave it at that. But I'll I'll certainly get out of the way. But I'll get I'll I'll give it a nine. I would give it an a ten if I got to see Hercules lose those nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the theme of the episode. Just rename it. 
the studio mm-hmm. just chopping bits about chopping bits. Yeah, losing, <laughs> losing those nuts. <laughs> All right, Sierra. Um, I okay. So I I feel like I have a lot in my mind about this film. I, I think it really. Um, Erica watched it before us and said that she wasn't super uh, a huge fan of it. So like I kind of went into it being like, oh okay, well if Erica doesn't like it, I probably won't like it. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, All I just pictured was those like and like freeze framed, and you walk in, and you're like, "Yep, that's me." You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> um, I am going to dis- disagree that. Every- um, I don't think that the plot in this movie was as important as um, we're trying to make it. Like, um, everyone's saying there wasn't a very strong plot line. But I think that was the whole point. I think that it was important to show that these sideshow freaks were normal people in every aspect of their lives. You know, I think that was yeah. the whole message. And I think that's why I was totally okay with there not being a huge plot point in this movie. Um, I actually think that if they focused away from that, I think it would have taken away from the whole message of the movie, which I think was a good choice. Um, I absolutely love the acting and the the thing that really amazes me with the acting in this is that these people were deformed people. They were probably, I'm sure, uh, quite a few of them were in actual circuses performing in sideshows. So they weren't, they weren't actors. And they did an amazing, an amazing job um, showing these emotions and, and performing in front of a camera. And, and it, it honestly blew my mind how much this movie hit me emotionally uh, I, I just think it was it was a beautiful message and it, it does very much bother me that the message was so lost at this time period um, for it to be labeled a horror movie and not because of the villains in this movie but because of the people that were supposed to be um, the good guys you know the guys that you the people that you were supposed to feel feel something for were what labeled this movie as a horror movie it was improperly labeled uh, and I think that's very sad. Um, I this movie's a ten for me. I loved it. I thought it was excellent. I I don't even care that they they labeled it a horror movie. I don't care because I think that there was a horror aspect to it, but I don't think it was what everybody thought it was, and I think that's the problem. Right, you're, gonna, you're not going to take a point off for the no the castration. Balls. No castration. No, I'm going to give a point because I don't want to see no buzz balls. So it was a nine, <laughs> and them cutting that out gave it a point for me because I. I'm just not looking for balls. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, well, Chad. It's not that I was looking for it. Sure. But it, I don't know, maybe, sure. Maybe, it was just me being, maybe it was just me being that vengeful. You're like, I really want him to lose his balls. Well, right. Well, because like, they don't tell you what happened to him either. Mm-hmm. There's like it a just, rock on just, the ground. And he, it's just like, are those it? Dead. <laughs> you just assume he's dead. And it's like, well, isn't that enough? I don't think it is. No, I just pictured John I at the screen with a microphone. Uh, magnifying glass like where are they they <laughs> might be here somewhere those balls came up I know they did that's what I'm saying there's like a rock on the grass like is that it are those the balls is that it is that the one no it's hanging on the back of the wagon so that gives the movie an average of an 8.7 so that's a definite need to watch guys and even Absolutely. if you're not a horror fan watch this if you're like one of those people that are super into like castration no yeah <laughs> Castration. Castration, find the uncut version but I think that if 
if you're a decent human, watch this movie because I think it'll make you you have some feelings. All right, hush your mouth. And if you're I shitty, needed to, that was fair. That was fair. Hey, that was up, fair. That was up. fair. That was fair. <laughs> shut up. Cut me off. If you're a shitty person, watch this movie because it might make you a better person. Doubt Absolutely. You're a shit bag. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Erica. All right. Well, I'm <laughs> Well, if, if somebody sees it and like, if somebody sees it and misses the message, you know. That's how you know you they're really re- bad. You need to reevaluate your entire <laughs> fucking life if you watch this and miss the message. Right? Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. This is how you vet out friends. You show them this movie and see what they say. They're yeah. watching. They're like, why are those freaks attacking those people? It's like, shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your mouth. Is that your doggy I hear? Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah. I, lo- I love dogs. It's the kids. Yeah. He kennels them when he's recording. <laughs> right. No, last time, it's... last time, didn't the kid... His daughter yeah, got Yeah, your him. daughter popped on for a second at the end. Yeah, I can go grab her real quick. We can make she that was happen. a riot. I loved her. <laughs> well, let's wrap up. Um, John, Becca, where can people find you? All right, people can find me on the Instagram. That's where I do most of my reach out under Skeleton Rose Media. It's a horror-based art culture media entertainment uh corporation you can find me there under skeleton rose media i am also on facebook under both skeleton rose and skeleton rose media i write melodic death metal and horror novels uh the melodic death metal is under the name skeleton rose and on in on amazon you can find all my novels under john huber go ahead and into the search bar type in john huber whatever book you might be looking for you'll find me you shouldn't miss me i have a two foot red beard should be pretty easy to find and on top of that my music is available anywhere you get you purchase or stream your digital music including spotify itunes amazon google music rumblefish um any of those places go ahead and reach out to me uh i'm always down to give away free shit you can also find me on the new skeleton rose website and finally have merchandise and Woo-hoo. everything is available in ready to go links between books and music and everything else, you can find me there on Skeleton. Yeah, blogspot.com. There's three different uh, there's there's three different uh, labels there for books, music, and merch. And there will be more artwork coming soon because I'm now working with a very very cool team of illustrators to not only do artwork for the books that I put out or any other authors I might be working with, but they're also working on creating horror original horror artwork. As well, you know, in prints, paintings, uh, any kind of drawings, any sort of media that they might be into at the time. So those are going to be going up fairly soon. Come visit me. I would love to hear from any and all of you. And now, and now, Dylan, where can I find you? Yeah, yeah I was being, I was being polite. I was pausing because I didn't know if Becca was going to throw any plugs out. I was feeling it out. Now that I know right. she's not, then I'll go ahead and do her stuff. Um, yeah, no, mo- most of the stuff that I do um, is just mainly for John. So, like all the stuff that he's talking about, some of the um, artwork that's going up, that's. Some of that's from me. Quite a bit of it is from Becca. A lot of a lot of the artwork in the books is is from Becca. Uh, Becca was actually one uh, uh, for Lavender Blue. We did digital photography 
to go along with that whole book. So the pictures are actually laid out throughout the entire book. I had a cast of characters come up and the whole thing was really, really cool. Fun fact, there were 666 pictures taken. Hell Satan. <laughs> and so Becca actually got to be the uh, blood-covered, possessed demoness in uh, Lavender Blues. That, that was you you cool. get to see my bloody feet on the cover. Yeah, Ooh. bloody feet. She, she gets to be possessed and everything else towards the end. So yeah, a lot of the artwork that Becca does that will be going up as well is also within Skeletonos Media. So if you find me, you'll find her. Awesome. And we definitely recommend. So guys, make sure you go check that out. If you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast, on Twitter at Horror underscore Haven. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be wrapping up our Decades in Horror series with the 1920s. We're going to be talking about the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And I'm oh very God. kind of sad that it's ending, but I'm really excited to do Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. This has been my favorite month of the podcast since we started the podcast. I think this has been some quality work. Also, in addition to us doing an awesome episode next week, we it is also our one-year anniversary of Horror Haven Podcast. Woo! Congratulations! So while you listen... <laughs> while you listen to next week's episode, you gotta eat a cupcake for our birthday. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't matter what flavor, but you gotta eat one. <laughs> Testicles. I, I, I can I can make a whole upside down German chocolate cake with cream cheese filling for you guys. Yes. Can you send it to if me? You that that, if you send that, fucking amazing. I'll give uh, you my address. I'll plug it for the whole internet to hear. If you send one. <laughs> we can definitely send the recipe that we can definitely. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Oh, it's good. We only make it a couple times a year because it's like. We eat it all in one sitting. Right. It's like and then get that recipe. Can you hit me up on Instagram? I'll make you one. <laughs> right. There you go. So it's like it's one of those things. It's one of those recipes that like we only make it a couple times a year because it's one of those things with great power comes great responsibility kind of things. <laughs> like if we make it too often, it's like bad for our. The house. more you, you describe know? it, like the more I'm drooling. <laughs> well, I'm like, like who's sliding into your DMs? That would be my cake dealer. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my cake dealer. Well, and I guess she makes it with it's like an earthquake cake. So like the the coconut and the, all that stuff that's on top as it bakes, it actual the cream cheese and stuff cooks down through the cake oh. and it settles somewhere in the middle. But the cream cheese cooks through the rest of it, so the whole thing ends up like really, really super moist. It, it's it's moist. Yeah, super adopt, moist. Adopt yeah. me. I'll come move to Minnesota for that. <laughs> right. Yes, for my cake. Please. Right. That and Paul Bunyan land. That Paul Bunyan We can we can make that happen for sure. <laughs> All right, yes. so John, Becca, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, I'm kind of bummed blast. out. This is our our last John episode for now. For now. January. For now. <laughs> January. We're done. January, we are done. Yeah. But uh, anytime you guys, anytime you guys want to come on, uh, you're more than welcome because we have a blast talking. Yeah, we love you guys. You're awesome. Well, we're we're definitely glad to hear that. Good night. Good night. Nighty night.